Last weekend, Lou and I completed a sprint triathlon. In order, that's a quarter of a mile of swimming, 12 miles on the bike, and three miles of running. In December, we completed a slow 5K. That's three miles. While training for that three-mile run, Lou's knees started to act up, so we invested in some bikes to cross-train with, and both took a liking almost immediately to the activity. We figured if we can barely run three miles, we can certainly do it after riding a bike for 45 minutes, preceded by a little swimming, too. Let's do a triathlon. How hard could it be? So in 11 weeks, we swam, cycled, did some yoga, and occasionally ran, all in anticipation of finishing our first endurance sport. Before we knew it, our breezy April race day was upon us. The setup. The race is on at 7 a.m. Transition area is open from 5.30 to 6.30, and my alarm is set for 4.30 a.m. Though not thrilled with having to get up before the sun for a slew of personal reasons, I was determined to have my pre-race morning go as smoothly as possible. Like we did for the 5K, we decided to make a mini-vacation out of the experience by staying at a Holiday Inn Express near the race. Lou and I don't get out much. I'm not sure what the deal is with the beds at the Holiday Inn Express, but they are way more comfortable than my own bed, which makes them great for getting a decent night's sleep before a race and for collapsing in in the aftermath. Another normally small irritation that was on my side is that I often wake up around 4 a.m. in the morning with the urge to have to pee. Normally, I would go to bed after this nighttime annoyance, but race morning, I was able to use this to my advantage by just not getting back under the covers. I slept good that night and jacked my system up with some coffee after my 4 a.m. bladder alarm woke me up like clockwork. Everything started moving, kit on, bike strapped to the car, transition buckets full of helmets and running shoes, among other things. We were all packed up and ready to go. Triathlon requires keeping track of a lot of gear. Goggles, swim cap, wetsuit, bike shoes, running shoes, hats, sunglasses, and whatever lubes or powders needed to slide into these items as quickly and time efficiently as possible. All of the gear then needs to be dragged to the event and set up ever so specifically in the transition area before the race. How much time you spend changing into different gear in the transition area between the various sports is timed, which is a strangely unique element specific to triathlon. In what other sport does the efficiency of putting on one's running shoes become a skill that needs to be honed? I can't think of any offhand. On our drive to the race, Lou and I play some upbeat and thumping rap music to get us pumped, and I'm feeling pretty good. Not too anxious, not too sleepy. We arrive in a dark parking lot and struggle to get our bikes off the top of the car and the front wheels back on in the black of night. Note, next time bring a headlamp. We drag our bikes and gear over to the transition area for setup, running into my brother Jacob, who's participating with us today out of solidarity. As a triathlete in college, he has been helpful at showing us the ropes and letting us know about things, like how we look like a bunch of amateurs because we plan on wasting time putting socks on with our shoes. With everything set up in transition, we are ready to go. The swim. Triathlons involve swimming, usually in open water. Lakes, rivers, oceans, you get the idea. Neither Lou nor myself had any formal swim training going into this, outside of just basically knowing how to swim. 
So in the 11-week run-up to the race, we spent a lot of time in the pool at the local gym. Though far from proficient in the water, we did make improvements, and the fact that swimming is easy on the joints made the training easier than, say, running. I have to say, swimming in a pool is a completely different experience than swimming in open water. Visibility is not great, depending on the area, running into anything from a shark to a manatee to alligators is a distinct possibility, open water is choppy, and there's nothing to hang on to when you need a break. In hindsight, I would say swimming in open water is by far the most bonkers part of the race. One way to combat this open water fear is to wear a wetsuit, which makes you more buoyant in the water. So Lou and I went out of our way to rent triathlon-specific wetsuits for race day in an effort to cut down on the possibility of drowning and actually making it through the choppy open water swim. As the sun starts to break the horizon over the green waters of the Banana River, the race director announces that the race is not going to be wetsuit legal. What? I had no intention of swimming this thing without a wetsuit, nor was I even sure if I would be able to, since I was depending on the wetsuit to keep me from drowning once I got out of breath and exasperated in the water. The race director makes an exception for us and three other mid-30s first-timers, who also seem to be just as attached to the wetsuits as we are, on the condition that we have to get in the water last after everyone else has started, which is fine, my wave was going to go last anyways, and that our scores don't count for anything, which is also fine, since I wasn't going to be qualifying for anything or getting on the podium. The elite triathletes, along with the younger, fitter males, like my brother, start getting in the water at 7 a.m. My wave of disqualified rogue wetsuit wearers aren't due to get in the water until 8, at which time the first wave of elites will probably be done with the whole race. As I start to get my wetsuit on, anxiety starts to take hold. I feel like I'm going to shit myself in my rented contraband wetsuit that just took me 20 minutes to squeeze into. Eight pool lengths was the most I ever swam consecutively in training up to the race, and that was just shy of half the distance I was going to have to swim in this river that I could neither touch the bottom of nor hold on to the side if I needed a break. No time to worry about that now. My mom, who came out for moral support and picture-taking, tells me to relax and how lucky I am that I can even do stuff like this. I can tell she would love to be getting in that water and is generally hyped from the whole atmosphere. Sixty other first-timers just got into the water, and it was time for us wetsuit folks to jump in. Prior to that first 5K, at no point had I ever run three miles in a row. But on race day, I was able to keep a very slow, consistent pace over the whole time. I had to use this same principle with the swim, slow and steady until it was over. I knew the first second I started to panic or push hard enough to get out of breath, my already poor swim stroke would fall apart and I would be heaving and out of breath, trying to backstroke my way out of this. This strategy worked. Though I couldn't get into a good enough rhythm to put my head in the water, I kept my breathing patterns the same as if I could, and managed to front crawl the entire distance. Lou and I swam side by side until the turnaround buoy, when he started to tire and slow down. I looked back at him, panicked for a moment, not knowing if I should wait, then kept going, since this was a race, not a friendly training session. As I made my way around the buoy, 
a sea of noobs from the wave before mine were all floating on their backs trying to catch their breath. I freestyled past them. Suck it, noobs. At least I trained the swimming part of this race and planned on looking like it. I finally reached the shore and got out of the water. It's time for transition one and getting on the bike. The bike. As I run to the transition area, I'm slightly disoriented, but find my bike pretty easily and start peeling off the wetsuit and getting my socks and bike shoes on. I evidently spent about two minutes and 20 seconds in transition, which Jacob, whose strongest tri-attribute is his quick transitions, scoffs at me for after the race. What, did you take a nap out there? Ugh. Geared up for the bike portion, I hike my bike to the mount area. Aside from not making it out of the water, my biggest fear going into the triathlon was falling, either getting on or off my bike. I was worried about this enough that I spent an hour the week before just practicing getting on and off the bike with some relative grace. To accommodate this task further, I taped one of my pedals at a specific angle so that I could easily swing my right leg over the head tube and slide neatly into the pedal. I hear the click. Success. I get my left foot clicked in, and I'm off. Well, not exactly. Because my race waves start time, and the fact that it was going to take me over an hour to finish, I needed to eat something during the race and planned on doing that during the bike portion. I taped a Ziploc bag of peanut butter cookies to my bike's head tube. I immediately realized that this was not going to work as the Ziploc bag started to rub against my thighs as I pedaled and was not staying closed. I fiddled with the bag for some time and finally just ripped the bag off and stuffed the salvaged cookies in the pocket of my jersey after stuffing one of them in my mouth. Though I was not going particularly fast, I was still moving the whole time, and after this minor hiccup was dealt with, I was ready to lay into the drops and start pedaling for real. The majority of the bike leg was a straight stretch up and back A1A, so not complicated to navigate. But holy headwinds, Batman! The entire five-mile stretch before the turnaround made the flat piece of road feel like a hill climb. I struggled to get my targeted 90 RPM cadence and continued to adjust my gears accordingly. The winds are slowing me to less than 16 miles an hour. No matter, I'm passing people who clearly do not have the same cadence game that I do, and it feels good. I make it to the turnaround, and all the headwind that was holding me back turns into a tailwind that has me flying. At 23 miles an hour, I continue spinning the gears, yelling, On your left! at the slower people in my way. This was great. Cycling is awesome. At one point, I see Lou on the opposite side of the road and wave, glad to see that he did make it out of the water. I take a drink from my bottle of sports beverage, and it flies out of my hand as I try to put it back in the bottle cage. Bummer, I thought, but quickly decided against trying to slow down and retrieve it. I was on a roll and didn't want to lose the momentum. As I wrap up the bike portion and start to approach the transition area to get ready for the run portion, I dismount the bike like a pro, not losing any motion as my feet move from pedal to ground. I check my bike computer, and it says I've been riding for 45 minutes, which was the exact time I wanted to complete the bike split in. Back in transition, I hang up my bike, and I get my running shoes on. It's time for the run. 
the run. If you've never rode a bike for a significant period of time and tried to run right afterwards, and why would you if you aren't doing a triathlon? You don't realize how awkward and tired your legs can feel transitioning from one activity to the other. Coupling this with how much my brain already rejects the activity of running, I knew immediately that there was no way I was going to literally run this final three miles over the rolling tracks of the Cocoa Beach Country Club. I ran to the first aid station and walked while drinking the Gatorade they were handing out. I ran to one sign pointing to the direction of the course, then walked to the next one. Soon I was running for 20 seconds, walking for 20 seconds, then running for 10 seconds, walking for 10. My fellow competitors could probably hear me breathing from half a mile away. I see the lady that I had been playing cat and mouse with on the bike just in front of me, but can't run enough to catch her. Somewhere around the two-mile mark, my entire right foot starts tingling like it fell asleep, and I stop to adjust my wet, crooked sock to see if this will help in some way. It provides a bit of relief. In the book Born to Run, the author makes some sort of argument that it is our evolutionary right to move quickly over long distances. But my brain and body just have never bought into that. I've yet to figure out how to run long enough to achieve the fable runner's high, and I'm not sure I ever will. Somewhere around the two-and-a-half-mile mark, I run into a lady who is also walking and wondering when this godforsaken run portion will come to an end. We pace each other for the last half-mile, which actually does help keep me moving. The finish line is in sight, and I jog to victory. My brother who finished his race well over an hour ago, is drinking a beer at the finish line. I did it without drowning and throwing up on myself, which I consider a complete success. Now to wait for Lou and see if he did it too. Jacob, my mom, and I look over the golf course to see if we can spot him. After 15 or 20 minutes, we spot his freshly shaved arms and hunch stanced in the distance. Soon he is jogging towards the finish line, smiling for the cameras. We made it through our first endurance race. The conclusion. Post-race, Jacob asks us what we thought of our first try, and I am taken to a sandwich analogy that I've heard from various cycling sources. Triathlon is a sandwich where swimming and running are the two slices of bread, and cycling is the meat. Some people, like my brother, are carb-heavy individuals that like the sandwich bread, the swimming and the running. For myself and Lou, who are more into a ketogenic diet, we like the meat in the middle of the sandwich, the cycling. Lou would like to try doing another triathlon next year, thinking that maybe that's enough time to get comfortable in the water, but I think a cycling-only race might be something to try in the future. I don't actually mind the swimming, but it's fairly technical, and I really just need more time to get better at it and build my confidence in open water environments. Eleven weeks was just not enough. As for the running, I just don't see being able to hack any significant distance. For me, that may be mental. For Lou, with his prior knee issues, it's a very physical reality. Because of our wetsuit situation, our times seemed to be an afterthought. I was able to see my times posted on the post-race board, but Lou's never were, and neither of our times were posted on the website after the fact which bummed Lou out a bit since he wasn't able to figure out how long it took him to complete the race. Amazingly enough, 
My times claim that I was only in the water for nine and a half minutes, which gives me confidence that I can build up to swimming for 10 minutes consecutively should I ever try to do this again. After waiting around for a bit to see if Jacob made the podium, he didn't. He was beaten by a bunch of older people. Lou and I pack up our gear and drive back to the Holiday Inn Express to complete a phenomenal recovery nap in a very comfortable bed. Writing is a very strange habit. Well, I haven't done it in a while either, so I was glad to just get something out. Everybody, welcome to the Machination Log. You've been listening to Nicole for the last 15 minutes, I believe, is how long that works out to, either that or 20. Um, we've been doing this podcast for three some odd years now. About. It's been a very, very long break recently because I've felt like I don't have anything that I want to say out loud, and I've sort of been saving all of that up for a more pertinent time, which should be coming soon, but... Nicole, you just finished a triathlon, and instead of just talking about it, you decided to write about it. Yeah, I I actually, like, I like writing, but I, like, uh, I suffer from writer's absence, as you have so aptly put. Like, I don't do it, and one of the few times I feel like I can get, uh, like, I can force myself into doing the activity is after I complete my yearly, uh, you know, uh, athletic attempts so your physical trial yeah so i've 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 been able to make it a habit that after i do that one i after i do one the next day i sit down and i like write out the experience so i've been able to make that a habit i have not been able to make a habit out of writing for any other reason though i was gonna say is that the only form of journaling you do yeah i don't do a whole lot of journaling and i I think about writing stuff a lot and then i just don't yeah that's well it's much easier to do that yeah yeah it's it's a strange. I I mean, you talked about the triathlon for twenty minutes, and I, of course, being selfish, would rather talk about the experience of writing about the triathlon than the triathlon itself. That's Is there anything you want to add to what that account already said about it? I mean, actually, I'll interject at least something. <laughs> How was training? Training was actually not too bad. Like it was, you, you create like a schedule for eleven weeks, and you just try to stick with it as best you can. And, um. None of the training stuff I was doing was very long, so it was like about like aim for doing something five to six days a week, but you know, thirty minutes to like an hour getting back to the gym and back. It wasn't like like any kind of like long, tedious training sessions. It would just be like go out and run for like twenty minutes, go do some pool laps for like twenty minutes. And okay, come back. so it wasn't even interval training. It was literally just go to the gym and do. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, at the end, we started, like, a couple times we would, like, cycle and then try to run right afterwards, and those were a little bit tougher, um, but that was only, like, the last two weeks. Do you have any specific regrets about how you trained for it? Um, I think, given the time and the, uh, physical, like, uh, the level of physicality both of us had coming into it, I think we did about... And lose work schedule is a huge (laughs) issue. Um, I think we did about as good as we could. Like, now that I know what's involved, I could maybe make it a little bit better. Like, I would have maybe liked to get a little bit more swimming in. Um, But I wouldn't have been able to do that in 11 weeks. I would have had to start earlier. So it was like... Sure. Do you have any idea what's on the calendar 
I mean, you guys said that you might be up for doing another triathlon. Do you have any idea which one or um, if it'll be the same sprint length? Or It would still probably have to be the sprint length, but we're looking at maybe next year because we have a adventure vacation booked in July and I need to uh, start training my off-road cycling because there's going to be mountain biking involved. Where's that happening? Costa Rica. Okay. <laughs> I guess you might as well take the... I, I, you're going to have to buy a different set of bikes for that, I assume. Well, I have a cross bike that's more for... That's got real tires it's on it. It's got the good tires yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so until July, it's going to be more like long bike rides in off-road conditions training. Um, but we do still plan on keeping up the swimming. What's the shortest actual bike-centric event there is? I don't know because I haven't looked into a lot of it. I was looking at just like a fun ride that was like, you know, you could do 24, 36 or like 50 miles. Yeah, because everything involving the bike, the reason I don't like the bike, I'm I'm very much in the the carb load. Yeah, you're the side carb loading your, side. Yeah. Side of your sandwich analogy. <laughs> I just can't sit on a bike for that long. I don't like sitting do you at have, all. Do you have like real bike shorts? No. That does help. I have no bike anything. I bought. I went into a that bike you, shop and said, I need a bicycle that will not break. And and you've broken it and it's still And they, they set me up. I've only broken the fiddly parts of that bike. Most of that bike's been intact. Uh, they, they did a good job setting me up with that. But no, I, I, was, I was threatening to be in this triathlon. Yeah, you had threatened briefly and then that kind of... It, it, it was a debonair thing and it felt, it felt more than a little arrogant because... It, and I also I would have felt bad if I had beat you guys because I have like none of the stuff. Well, you, but the and thing is, I'm also way younger. Yeah, so well, like it would have it, it, it felt more than a little smeary. Well, you're you're younger, and here's the other thing: you're willing to run till you throw up. Lou and I are not. Yeah, I can and do that's that a part. big mental part that I have not be able that <laughs> I have not overcome. You haven't given it your all. Oh. No, the I I can't tell the difference between if it's physical exertion or panic, and it just confuses my brain. What's the closest, what activity have you done in the past that has brought you closest to doing that? Oh, the jiu-jitsu tournaments. Oh, okay. Five-minute rounds where someone's, like, trying to break your arm and sit on you. The fight-or-flight kicks in? It's... It's intense. Okay. <laughs> so it does actually happen. Oh, it's yeah, intense, but it's more, you know, but that's like more, you know, if they're only five minute rounds. So it's, you know, it's more yeah. of a, it's more of a short twitch activity. It's not like you're out there for like, you know, between like an hour and two hours, like pacing yourself. It's like you're all in until you're like, oh my God, I can't even lift my arms and you're out. It's a little <laughs> less regulation going on. How yeah. was recovery after this thing? Well, this thing wasn't too bad. I mean, I just took the opportunity to nap a little more than usual, and uh, my legs were a little tired, but it was nowhere near the pain after a jiu-jitsu tournament where you're like, <laughs> you think your your arm is broken, like things hurt a lot, you don't want to move. It was not nearly as physically as taxing. So the little bit of conversation we just had had many more ups and downs, and the banter was while it wasn't as rhetorically complex, it was more colorful. Mm -hmm. And this is the weird dilemma that I have when I try to write about things because the triathlon account that you gave, um, you get to incorporate little things like you get to mention the sandwich analogy or you yeah. get to you, you get to revel slightly in the, <laughs> to use, uh, what's his name? Hitchcock's, I almost said Churchill's. <laughs> uh, Hitchcock's idea of the frozen camera. Mm -hmm. um, 
you get to have this particularly dense kind of prose. But I'm not sure which topics that's actually good for. Because for a lot of things, particularly you would think for things involving motion, yeah, this style of conversation would be better because it's more dynamic. You get to go up and down in your range because you it, this sentence can end wherever I need it to. Like I just blew the second half of that sentence I said out yeah. because I, that's not where I was in the register. So I just went off and did another thing. Deciding when and where to write as opposed to just speak. And then, of course, it's a whole other thing if you narrate. Um, yeah, that's that's a whole other separate skill. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's just a, it's a weird question. I, do you have anyone... I mean, you, you probably don't write enough to bother thinking about this kind of thing, and that's not some sort of preachy judgment. You probably actually listen to more books than I do. Um, do you have an author that you attempt to evoke... Uh, no, it's um, not not specifically, no. Because I'm reminded of Bill Bryson. Okay, I have listened to a lot of him, but part of it is because, he, like, it's not so much of an author specifically, but like a, um, I don't know, like you just, my biggest thing when I struggle uh, to write is is like figuring out an audience and like how like what story I'm trying to tell. And it's kind of why I use like just the sports things that I do because it gives me like a very specific event and I can kind of just like work from A to B in a, in a way. Sure. It gives um, you a chronology. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, and then it's also like a finite thing to cover as well, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> you can only sprawl out so far from there. You know, but but that's very similar to, you know, how Bill Bryson writes. His stuff works chronologically. He's on a trip and we're going from A to B. Yeah, like, he's he's uh, getting from here to there. Yeah. Um he does he does a little bit more of the uh the background research stuff, but it um but I mean you're not writing a novel, you're writing yeah. A, you're yeah. writing a short form essay, so yeah. that's understandable. <laughs> I just the, the, the well, and that's that's another thing I struggle with is like is like length too because it's like you're like oh if if I want it something that I want to put on Facebook for people to read I need to make it short enough for people to read it's like or do I want to get in like all the detail I feel like you know like finding yeah, a length and stuff is I mean that was is one also the, something you got to play with it's one of the thousand things I don't like about Facebook is yeah. having to think about that kind of stuff yeah I did find it actually rather irritating this time. <laughs> well, especially because I'm not using it that much anymore. Yeah. So I've been clean for six months, and I keep thinking about going back to it, um, just because it's not going away. I mean, I maybe get on there for a minute or two, like maybe once a week, but it's I'm not on there very frequently anymore. So, and I don't post very much anymore either. I've been a much more aggressive Twitter. Also, I really don't actually have any friends in real life, anyways. So I don't. Hey, you're I, just broadcast out yeah. to nothing no yeah. that's see but that's that's perfect for twitter that's why i like twitter because twitter is much more democratic everybody's just on there to either harass each other or tell them to fuck off okay and that creates a very good community because there's no like you can only be so pretentious on twitter before someone calls you out okay and i think that's a good level playing field um we also know because billionaires have attested to it um, including recently Magic, I don't know if Magic Johnson's a billionaire necessarily, but uh, he said he wanted to get back to tweeting and it was part of the reason he was retiring from the NBA. So we know that in some capacity, some incredibly insane uh, 
perverse psychosis. Uh, tweeting is the ultimate form of communication. It is. Uh, this is why Conor McGregor doesn't even fight anymore. He only wins Twitter battles. <laughs> and that might be the rest of his career at the rate it's going now. That's uh, fine with yeah. me. <laughs> I'm okay with it. But, um, but yeah. So writing is very annoying and very hard and yet very fulfilling. Yeah, but it's like it's like great when you're done. And I and I try not to like because I could have gone back and forth and back and forth. But like part of this exercise is like I get it down, I do my reread once, and then I'm like that I put it down. Like I don't, I don't like keep obsessing over it because I'm like it's not a school paper. Okay, well I'm the literal exact. No, I of that. well and I I understand because it's like I could if I didn't put that stopgap on, but you know like that's part of also like the writing about sports activity exercises that has to get done in the next day. Like, sure. So, you know, it, it doesn't get to fold over. Like you've got to fucking finish your product the next day. Yeah. I mean, my, my problem is I, I espouse and I do believe there is merit in a professional sense at a minimum to doing a first draft, second draft, third draft, and, um, just, you know, having that process, skimming over and then digging slightly farther in, et cetera. And I try to adhere to that, but I've found that the essays that I throw away are the ones that I write from beginning to end in a pass in passes as okay. opposed to what I end up the essays that I end up actually liking are the ones where I start somewhere and I just have a shovel and just start digging. Okay. So I get no breadth out of it at yeah. all. I just because the second you start talking about a subject, you can just keep talking yeah. about it. It doesn't matter even in a sports thing. I mean, this is it, you started uh after your summary, you went immediately to race day yeah. and I mean, even from the times that you mentioned, you could take the three the three clauses, the race is on, the transitions open and your alarm and you could extrapolate that. Oh, into I could its have gotten essay. way more into like all the training stuff or just the psychosis of trying to stay hyped for the thing. Like, so, like, all of the different like books about like sports psychology and, and crap that I was reading, which I actually may want to do because I, I have five sports related books that um, I like that I found like while training. Um, to listen to a supplementary material that I really, really like. And one of them I think I might actually write a review on. I liked it so much. See, but the, and that's what I like in essays. Though. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. For the conversational side of it, and that's sort of what I was hinting at, I think for describing the actual event, these yeah. conversations almost work better because there is a flow and they're, they're a little more vocally dynamic. Whereas um, in that case, you would have taken the shovel. You went, okay, I was at a triathlon. Dig. Um Race started, now, dig. Uh, preparing for this, I read some books, dig, and then just suddenly you're not going, you, you've yeah. suddenly just carved a tunnel yeah. as opposed to this Well, maybe path. I'll write uh, the, the books that got me here essay because um, I was actually pretty amped about a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think that would make good subject matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, and, you know, it's, I, I've done that in a variety of my essays. One of them, which I wish I had almost retitled so that people knew what it was actually about, is my essay about, uh, I did a single-player board game called Friday. And that essay was not about... Oh, that was the, the one where, yeah, you videotaped you playing that single-player board game and then read it. Yeah. It, it started it, with the guy did your one-day stuff yeah, from and, Amazon. And, and that's the thing. That, yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't 
a review of Friday, even no. though that's what it was called. It was a it was sort of a contemplation on on um, process as an end in itself, like yeah. between automation and just digging into this game that I couldn't beat and still yeah. enjoying it, despite the fact that I was getting my ass handed to me for some reason. Like that's what it was actually about. Yeah, I just didn't retitle it. Um, and I think that's way more interesting than reviewing the game because the game is what it's, it's a fucking board. Well, you game. have instructions to yeah. review the game. It's not. Yeah, I can tell you whether the game's good or bad. And <laughs> I, I, I get into that with uh, video game reviews all the time. It's why well, you I, said that's what you have the hardest time with. It's well, we got we got it down with the movie reviews because yeah. we're very good at just getting our opinion of the movie out of the way almost immediately because it's like the least interesting part about a movie is how you feel about it. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's very boring. That's and that's why everybody. Everybody writes about that because yeah. they go, it's like, okay, how do I get from A to B talking about a thing people care about? Okay, Game of Thrones. This episode came out. Here's my take on this episode of Game of Thrones. And that sucks. Like that's that's very boring. It's people will click on it because they recognize it. But yeah. No one actually reads it. Yeah, I don't read movie reviews and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's not interesting at all. The only stuff of, of that kind that's interesting is like, and it's the reason. I mean, the perfect example. I already brought it up was um, that philosopher who was talking about how Hitchcock invented the frozen camera. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't talking about a particular movie. He was he was clearly noticing something in Hitchcock's film. Yeah. And decided to write about that, and that made for a compelling essay. So much so that I bring that up all the time. Like, and that that's kind of what I want to get with my essays. Yeah. Um, and the problem is I write them in a very misleading fashion because I pick, like, you know, you yeah. pick triathlon. This is what happened during the course of a triathlon. Yeah. And the more interesting thing is the psychosis that brought you to do a triathlon. Yeah. I well, think that's maybe, more interesting. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll venture off in that because, like I said, I kind of feel like writing a review of my top five sports motivation books now because i have found some good ones yeah it's been a fun journey yeah i think that would definitely be yeah. worth writing about and that's about as interesting as talking about doing reps in a pool which is the <laughs> other half of training for a triathlon <laughs> oh, there's so many kinds of reps i know there's so many places you can swim yeah open no. water swimming is crazy i'm i'm not shutting it down as an activity but as a fucking ridiculous activity <laughs> <laughs> Do they have any? Uh, do they have any flailers they had to get out? Well, uh, Jacob evidently was essentially in an MMA fight because he decided to go in the first line with all the elite people, and he spent most of his time in the water getting kicked in the face. Uh, we actually lucked out because we wore our wetsuits instead of having to go with the hundred and sixty first timers in the wave like we were supposed to. We got to be the wetsuit wave, so it was five of us all by ourselves. So we didn't, I think I still managed to elbow Lou one time, but um, it wasn't nearly as crazy as it could have been for <laughs> us. But all the people that like, uh, all the, there's like all these people, so you're swimming around the buoy and then all these slow people that are out of breath are then like floating on their backs and they're not moving. They're just like landmines. So you're like, you're, you're in your line in the water and then you're like, all of a sudden, I was like, one lady, I just like swam right into her. I was just like, get out of my way. Like, you guys are all just like floating like objects and I'm trying to like maneuver around all of you. So, um, but yeah, I think the, the more people that are in your swim wave, the more that, you know, there's kind of like some jujitsu crossover where you're getting like punched and elbowed and sure. kicked in the face. How wide was the berth? Like how, 
how far from end to end were you allowed to swim? Um, oh God, I don't know how to measure it in feet. So, how many I, people across could you safely get swimming you at a time? Probably get about 25, 30 people. And that doesn't mean that there wasn't more room on the side, but then you get some like rocks on the one side, so you don't want to put your feet down. Sure. And then, like, on the other side, you'd start getting, like, mangroves and the people on the paddle boards kind of, like, shooing you back into the the lane. Okay. Yeah. Because it was, like, the Banana River. So, I mean, there was edges, but it was, it was mangroves. It wasn't, like, shore. Were you swimming upstream? Um, yeah. On the way up, it was, like, choppy, and then the water was, like, against you. But then on the way back, it, oh, it was, it was a, loop. a little bit. Yeah, so you swim out and then you come back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've never seen any of these, so yeah, no idea. Um, yeah, so it's just like it's just like there's like a little shore, and then the Banana River goes out, and they have like a buoy, like you know, however, like 500 yards out there, and you've got to swim to the buoy, go around it, and swim back to shore. Okay. So, so yeah, the the current is not helping you on the way out, and then slightly more helpful on the way back, That's which is the same way with the bike. The wind was not your friend on the way out, and then pretty helpful on the way back. And then running, it doesn't matter. Yeah, running it makes no fucking difference. It's just whether or not you like running at that <laughs> point. Uh, is there anything else you want to cover? Um, yeah, you know. Are you going to do one of these at some point? Yeah, probably not. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm not a huge fan of competitive things. Okay. Like, I just don't, I don't like them very much. I feel like they... I'm not very effective at being competitive, but... I but, like, I like, I like the, the goal-setting aspect. It's like I have a day that I'm going to go do a thing, and now, like, I can make a little exercise plan and stick with it. Like, helps me kind of just, like, organize. Sure. Yeah. I like to hope that that works, but it very rarely does for reasons we've definitely talked about yeah, on this podcast. Yeah, I was going to say you covered that before. Just the, the way in which I'm capable of cutting my losses is, is tremendous. So, you know, I, the way that I look at this, and it's actually a very good um, anxiety queller, is that there's nothing that's not practice. I mean, it's all practice. Yeah. You know, there's no, there is no critical moment. I'm not, my livelihood does not depend on any of these results. It doesn't really depend on almost anything I do in particular, which is supposed to be the sort of rolling, um, the Mr. Magoo of everyone's lives where they stumble from one thing to the other. Um, and they don't notice that no one notices it on their way through because it's impossible to see the chart as you walk backwards through your life. Um, noticing the patterns as they emerge. But, um, you know, that's why it's relatively important to not to, not, not to take anything seriously, but just to understand that literally everything is a learning experience. Yeah. And that you, you don't actually know what the final act is until it occurs. So just slightly morbid, but, you know, you got to live the rest of your life. That's why retirement is stupid. I don't know, like the concept, <laughs> but that's definitely the subject of an essay that. Well, you know, and I'd like to be fit enough to still move around in my retirement age. So I figure doing some well, yeah, cardiovascular activities. Yeah, that's why you practice no. now. Yeah, that's so why that you, you practice doing them now. So. Yeah, you don't yeah. wait. 
<laughs> yeah, and this I I have to say as you know physically this, I mean, like I don't think run, running an Iron Man is necessarily good for your body, but um, clearly my, it isn't. Yeah, uh, but my joints don't feel nearly as bad as doing jujitsu. So like I I feel like maybe the you know the more endurance sports might be better as I'm getting older because uh, I, I can emphasize to, with that. Yeah. I mean, my wrist is a little sore from falling off my bike a couple of weeks ago, but not nearly as sore as if I had been doing jujitsu the last couple of weeks. My so. right shoulder still fucking hurts from jujitsu. Yeah, Lou's back is still fucked up from like the one class he took. <laughs> yeah. My elbow pain has gone away. That's good. Since I quit, so that's good. But I know if I, if I started doing that again, that would be back immediately, and then I can just see people on Facebook, like their, their woes of going through knee surgeries. Like, yeah, fuck that. And I was like, mm, I know. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, cycling seems to be easy on the knees. So I think that's the cycling and swimming is probably what I'm going to take the most from this. <laughs> yeah, the least dangerous martial art is still a martial art. So yeah, it does not absolve it of that. <laughs> Where did you get to in jujitsu? Uh, two stripe blue belt. Sick. Yeah. It's a lot. That's. Is that three belts in? No, it's no. That, I mean, it's the next belt. You get white, you get four stripes on your white, and then you get your blue belt, and then you oh, start accumulating okay. your stripes on your blue belt. I was not there long enough to notice yeah. which ones were which. So. Yeah. So, and well, and then your, the school you went to, they have all sorts of different fucking wacky color schemes, like orange and green belt. I don't even understand that system. I think that was kids' stuff. Yeah. They, have, some, they had two sets of them on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. The, I don't understand what the kids' nonsense is at kids all. Kids need more positive reinforcement. Yeah, exactly. So. You got to be handing out belts every other week or they won't show up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a black belt in what, uh, Shitoru or whatever the fuck it was called, uh, which I know I didn't work that hard to get, so, and I remember 0% of that, so. That was a lot of katas, though, wasn't it? Yeah. I didn't even learn how to split. Like, that That seemed like a thing that, I, in in the realm of karate, which was a almost totally non-contact sport the way that we practiced it, where it was basically just physical fitness in a kind of regimen yeah. with performance In a cult-like environment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course. It's, yeah, martial arts. Yeah, CrossFit and the like. Yeah. I, <laughs> I would have at least expected to get that limber, and that didn't even happen, so. Oh, well, you were either not doing enough stretching on your own on the side, or they were not emphasizing that shit in class. I know, it was bullshit. Like, so. I can kick above my head, but I can't do the actual sport. Yeah. So. It's my only regret <laughs> going to karate for however long that well, was. Well, you can still work on doing the splits if that's something you really want to achieve. I'll probably get back to it at some point here. I've been experimenting with trying to get fat, and it's not working, so I'm going to give up on that. You have been that. eating a lot of fast food and eating out a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't have a permanent kitchen. Uh, for those of you who don't know... Um, I have no idea how many people still subscribe to this podcast at this point, and I don't blame you for leaving. Um, we haven't been doing anything, but uh, part of my absence has been because I have been moving locations, and the house that I was moving into was not livable. No, um, at the not time. at all. Yeah, uh, most of that demo work has been done. Uh, most of the is that old- window safe. Uh, no. Okay. No, all the windows need to be replaced. This morning <laughs> was the first morning I slept in this house because it now has both insulation and a working air conditioner. And I woke up, I went to sleep at 4.30 in the morning. I had a job that went 
very late. And um, I woke up at nine, so four and a half hours. And to be clear, I get eight hours of sleep every day. Like that's a minimum for me. I don't, I don't operate on any less than that. I woke up because Jacob was having a conversation with dad. Who is your neighbor I, now? That I could hear, who is my neighbor now? Who I could hear through my window at his house. Yeah, that's stressful. So that window needs to be replaced <laughs> with one that blocks absolutely anything. Um, yeah, this is going to be expensive. This is going to be a project yeah. and a half. But it's oh, fun. I'm thinking of trying to move to... Oh. What? The thought of moving is no fun. That, I, yeah, that's... Because you got yeah. yeah, it's, it's a lot of ins, a lot of outs. There's too much process involved. Yeah. Once once this place is like build worthy, like I can just start constructing things. That'll be fun because that's most of the reason I moved here is because there's no homeowners association and there's plenty of land, so yeah. I can get up to stupid projects out here a lot easier, like movie sets. But um, yeah, that's all forthcoming, and that's probably what the machination log will be over the next year. Is once I once the house is sanitary enough that I feel comfortable operating camera equipment in here, which should be soon. Uh, we'll start seeing more video and that kind of stuff. And the movie crew will be back too at some point. That one went on hiatus by coincidence, so. But in any case, I don't think we're going to review Dune. I mean, it's not a great movie, but I do enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Sci-fi is already not my lane, so I'd have a hard time with that one. <laughs> Did you see Blade Runner 2049? No. When it came out, I tried to watch the original Blade Runner, and I got 15 minutes into it, and I was like, boy, this is boring, and Harrison Ford has always been phoning it in, and then I turned <laughs> it off. So then I wasn't feeling real amped about watching a remake of it. That's fair. It's definitely not a remake, and it's okay. definitely... A better movie okay. than the original, so I still didn't like like it like it because again I just don't like sci-fi, but okay. it's it's much more watchable than the original because I I did almost the same thing. You yeah, did. I had forgotten like the original's pretty fucking boring. It's it's not a great movie. Yeah. yeah. So I'm usually opposed to voiceover narration, but they <laughs> apparently needed it to keep people from falling asleep. Yeah, what, what about just narrating everything through people's thoughts? Or you could do that. Point? Yeah. Good Lord, Dune is so bad. And, but it's again, it's bad. It's bad in a way that I just don't, I don't appreciate. It's like wrestling. Like, I understand that there's something to love in wrestling, but I didn't grow up with it. So Yeah, that's like, I can appreciate that it's a product. I just, I, I just don't understand it as a product. It's not for me. Yeah. It really isn't. The time passed me by. Yeah. <sighs> All right. That was probably enough rambling for one podcast. We'll get back to a more regular. Never mind. Regular schedules canceled. Yeah. Even say uh, the word. Or not. Yeah. Whatever. These will come out. When, when they come out. <laughs> you guys aren't paying me. I'm not going to put these out on a regular schedule. So. Uh, but regardless, uh, thanks everybody for hanging on all the same. And uh, Nicole, thanks for being part of the Machination. Thank you. Good morning, everyone.